The scripture reading for today is John fourteen, fifteen through 20. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the word cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives within you, and you in me. He lives with you, and be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Thank you, Jacob. All right. That's what I'm missing. It's my notes. Uh, good morning. I'm going to attempt to uh, speak with this microphone in my hand this morning, so I'll do my best. I just want to begin this morning, um, as I begin to share this message with you, to remind you, uh, or just, I guess, to ensure that you understand, it isn't, uh, it's not Easter. It is July 1st. And yes, I am going to preach. What did I say? July 1st? It's, it's uh, July 1st or August 1st tomorrow. And I don't know what day it is today, but I know it's not Easter. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Uh, anyway, but I am going to be preaching this morning uh, this message that Jesus is alive. And every year at Easter, we remember an event that took place, and it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, this major event in the history of the world. And this morning, I want to um, share the message with you that not only did Jesus die, and not only did he was he buried and he was raised, but he lives uh, today. Uh, let's look at this passage again. <clears throat> Glenn, can I get you to move the podium there for me let's read through this again and uh it's john 14 verses 15 to 20 if you want to open one of the pew bibles it's on page 764 Uh, it says if you love me keep my commands and i will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And so Jesus is in the Father, and Jesus is in me, and Jesus... And I am in Jesus because Jesus is in me, and I am in the Father because Jesus is in the Father, and I am in Jesus. And the Father is in Jesus because Jesus is in him, and the Father is in us because we are in Jesus, and he is in us. Are you following me? (laughs) There's a reason why it was a hard scripture to read. Jesus lives in us. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you might think, yeah. But no, Jesus lives in us. If one thing I want you to hear this morning is just this. 
If you've heard it a million times, I want you to hear it one million and one times. Jesus lives in us. How different would my actions toward other Christians be if I were looking for God in others? If I was looking at others as those who carried the presence of God within them? Would I love my fellow Christians more and would I judge them less? Two weeks ago, we got back from Estonia, uh, from being there for about two and a half weeks. And while we were preparing to go there and while we were there, we had a mission. That mission was to shine like stars in the universe, which is taken out of Philippians 2. Uh, But really what we wanted to do is we wanted to be a light for Christ. We wanted, through our actions, through our words, uh, through our attitudes, as we met people, as we shared our lives with people, we wanted them to see Christ in us, and we wanted them to hear the gospel message through who we were. And so I spent a lot of time over the past six months as I've been training our team, and I've been training myself to prepare for this, uh, just thinking about this and looking at this uh, this whole subject of Jesus living in us, and, and more specifically, how do I allow others to see Jesus living in me? Um, throughout all of this, there's been lots of things that I've been thinking about and that I've come to realizations about. The one thing, though, at the foundation, at the root of all of it, is that in order for people to see Christ in me, the God has to be living within me. And so this is what I focused my attention on uh, in terms of my, my own preparation, what I tried to, to do some of with our team and helping them prepare. In order for God to be glorified through us, in order for others to see God in us, we need God's presence to be within us. We need God living within us to shine through us. And the number one thing that I've come to a realization of is that the only way that this can happen in a truly effective way is for me to be empty uh, and allow God to fill me. Um, without surrendering myself uh, to God, surrendering my life, my desires, my own wishes, uh, and making space in my heart, how can there be room for God to come and fill it? And uh, there's a, a man I follow on Twitter. His name is Rick Ashley, and he's the, the lead minister of a church called Richland. It's actually it used to be called Richland Hills Church of Christ, uh, one of the larger churches and churches of Christ in North America. They're actually now known as the Hills Church, but he's the lead minister of this church, and he's on Twitter way more than I am. Like, he's an old guy, and uh, he's not that old, but he's older than me, sorry. But he's, <laughs> he's an older guy, and he's on Twitter all the time. He's... He's tweeting every day. Uh, I don't know how many times, but I really most of his tweets are are actually kind of half serious, joking. They're talking about mostly about ministry, which is why I really enjoy to just hear his comments and his thoughts throughout the day. But he shared one thing this past week that uh, it really jumped out to me and it got me to thinking for quite a while. He just made this simple comment. He said, are our prayers inviting Jesus to follow us or declaring our willingness to follow him? Let's give us a moment to read that again. It says, are, are our prayers inviting Jesus to follow us or declaring our willingness to follow him? In other words, are our prayers asking God to be with us, to help us, to bless us as we're doing 
our life as we're going about our life? Or are our prayers taking the posture of, here I am. Just, just simply, here I am. Lead me. Here I am. Guide me. Here I am. Take me. Here I am. I'm yours. Uh, this prayer of surrender. Uh, here I am, God. You've shown me your path. Now lead me down it. Um, it just is a powerful thought uh, to contemplate. It was for me. Uh, I hope it is for you. So I wanted to share that with you this morning. I have a lot of friends right now who uh, ask this question. Uh, does God exist? There are a lot of people in the world right now maybe that are contemplating this question. I have to tell you that when my friends uh, contemplate this, when I hear that they're even thinking about this, it makes me almost angry, I would say. Uh, very, very frustrated. The reason that I'm frustrated is because these are my friends who have grown up in church. Um, these are my friends who have had God in their faces their whole life. When they tell me, you know, I don't know if God exists, my response is, what do you mean he doesn't exist? How could you possibly think he doesn't exist? He's been right in front of your faces your whole life. These, these young people my age who have grown up with parents and with a church family that has literally surrounded them with love their entire church, they don't understand what they have been experiencing and what they're giving up on. I can only be frustrated to the point where I remember that that was me not very long ago, not understanding God's love, not understanding God's presence living in other people. And there was a point in my struggles with this question, does God exist, that I suddenly came to realization that he's alive. Not only does he exist, he's alive and he's in this room right now. I have to tell you that the, the, the power of the, the reality of that, uh, it overtook my whole life. The reason I'm here this morning and I'm living the life I'm living right now is because of this realization God's alive. He's living in those around us. I'm ashamed to think of how long I ignored his presence unaware that he's all around me. This morning I want to do something a little different for a sermon. There's no worship assembly. I'm hoping some of the kids are still in here because I'm going to need your guys' help. I want you guys to participate with me here. I'm going to teach you a song really quick, okay? And there's a part in this song that you are going to need to help all the adults with. Okay, we're all going to do this song together but the kids are really going to help. And the teens who aren't kids, they're teens. Um, but you guys all like to shout, I'm sure. You like to yell and be loud and noisy. I know you do. Don't say you don't because I've heard you. Uh, but we're going to sing the song. There are some actions as well. But the, core, the first part of the song, it goes, God, does anyone know the song? Okay, two people. Great. Solo. Okay, so we're going to sing the, the first part of the song. goes, God is not dead. And then you guys are going to shout, no. Think you can handle that? And then I'll sing, he is alive. Okay, so when I sing, God is not dead, no. But like, yell. You can yell. I know I'm preaching, but just you can let that urge out to, to be noisy. and Let's all yell, especially the kids. 
This is a, a chance you get during this quiet, serious time, and, and you can just let it all out and scream. Okay? So that it goes, God is not dead. He is alive. God is not dead. He is alive. God is not dead. He is alive. Alive in my hand. Alive in my feet. Alive in my heart. Beep, beep. Alive in my soul. He lives all over in me. I don't know why you do the beep, beep with the heart, but that's what we did growing up, and it was fun. So I'm just going to do it this morning. Okay, do we all got this down? Okay, let's try sing this together. Are you guys ready? God is not dead. He is alive. God is not dead. He is alive. God is not dead. He is alive. Alive in my hands. Alive in my feet. Alive in my heart. Alive in my soul. He lives all over in me. God is not dead. He is alive. God is not dead. He is alive. God is not dead. He is alive. Alive in my hands. Alive in my feet. Alive in my heart. Alive in my soul. He lives all over in me. Thank you for participating in that. Um, from, for the rest of this sermon, I want to uh, just simply share some stories with you. Uh, more importantly, I want to share some people with you um, who I have... Uh, I don't know if you've ever met a person in your life who you've felt is so overwhelmed with the presence of God in terms of their character, their attitude, what they've done and accomplished in their life for God. If you've ever been in the presence of someone like that, that has done so much for God, brought so much glory to God that you've actually been humbled to be in their presence, you've almost been kind of scared almost or shy or or nervous, not because they're a celebrity, but because you just can witness and see so much of God's presence within them that it's scary. Um, there's been a few people in my life that I've met that are like this, and I want to share some some uh, examples. These aren't people I'm scared to be in front of, but these are people who God's glory shines through in a, and God's presence shines through in a, a very significant way, and I want to share them with you. As I do that, after I share each story, I want the kids to stay involved. Um, hopefully I won't put you to sleep before you have to do this, but uh, at the end of each story, what I'm going to, to say is, God is not dead, and then you guys will again, like the song, shout, no! Okay? So when I say, God is not dead, he is alive. Okay. That was good enough. You can do better. Maybe after the stories you'll do better. Anyone know this person? <laughs> she has no idea that I'm doing this right now. Uh, I'll give you a more recent picture. That's my wife, Chelsea. Isn't she cute? <laughs> anyway, uh, this is my wife, Chelsea. This is on her plane, plane coming home, actually leaving London. And we were about to go and see our kids, so we were excited. <laughs> um, but uh, I want to share with you uh, some... Um, details about this lady, Chelsea Roberts, this morning. Uh, how many have you? How many of you have? Uh, maybe I'll ask you to stand if you've raised a child. Anyone who's raised a child, just maybe stand up.
Perfect. Okay, so anyone who's being... Well, just we've got to stay standing, sorry. Anyone who's being dishonest right now, you can sit down. I'll, I'll rephrase it. How about all the dads sit down? There we go. Let's give the mums a huge hand right now. Okay, you, can, you can sit down. Thank you. I'm sorry. I apologize to any dads who literally do raise their kids on their own. But uh, if most of our dads are like me, which I, I know that I think, I know that I think doesn't make any sense. But I, I do believe most of you are similar to me in that you go to work and you leave during the day. And sometimes in the evening you have meetings or you have work and you go or else you have golf or else you have hockey or else you have sports that you're watching on TV that you're busy doing. Um, my point is that most of our moms, from the moment that they wake up, which is usually far too early and far earlier than they'd wish to wake up, uh, from that moment to the time that they put their kids to bed about an hour before they go to bed exhausted, uh, they do not escape the children. Um, it is an incredibly, I, I would say the most selfless thing that a person can do in life is to become a mother and to raise their kids, to truly raise their, their children. And every single day, not, a, not be able to escape it, it's it is an incredible thing. I want you guys to know I appreciate you. I especially want to just hold Chelsea out this morning as one of these mothers who with incredible love and selflessness, literally the selflessness that I just can hardly even understand because I don't have it within me, uh, she raises our children. Even this past Monday, um, we had one of those experiences where we're sitting, out, we're sitting down for supper. Both kids are freaking out because they don't want to eat. Uh, what was made and they're just whining and grumpy and grumpy and Chelsea and I are looking at each other giving each other that look of like just stay sane you're okay (laughs) we'll be okay together uh, type thing just about ready to lose our minds just trying to breathe Uh, and shortly or during that dinner I actually stood up and I left the house because I had a meeting to go to and so (laughs) I kind of we had kind of a joke about it's like, have fun. <laughs> See you later. Uh, I had to go to a meeting. And Chelsea was there, <laughs> not only with the kids crying and screaming, uh, trying to go to sleep. She's pregnant as well with a third baby at, at the time. So she's exhausted and she's tired and she's going through a lot of emotions. And she has to start the bath routine and then the bedroom routine. And at the end of the day, she literally doesn't even have the energy to spend one second by herself to enjoy the day. And she does this day in and day out, and it is incredible. I've been recently calling her my hero, telling her, Chelsea, you're my hero. You are a hero. And she doesn't believe me. Um, So I wanted to share with all of you guys, so maybe she'll start actually believing (laughs) that she is a hero to me. She's incredible the way she lives her life. Um, But that is one thing, okay? Chelsea pours her love she, she gives up her entire life for those children and for my children. But I want to show you guys some pictures of Chelsea this summer. She got a two-week break from our kids, <laughs> which you could imagine for a mom who's been a mother for four straight years of this day in and day out and day in and day out. She's never been away from the kids for more than what? Maybe a, a, I think she spent a couple days away from them until then. But she spent two weeks away from them. So what does she do? 
She spends it with hundreds of other young people. She spent it at a camp with 150 young people, counseling a cabin of of six girls, uh, ministering to and sharing her life and sharing her love with all these other people. And what I witnessed and what I experienced, you guys, over those two weeks as Chelsea was there was overwhelming in terms of the presence of God being in my midst through Chelsea, through her life. The love, that just the smiles. You can see her smiles in all those pictures. The joy that she has as she shares her life, as she gives it, as she loves on other people. It was just, it was absolutely incredible. Uh, on top of this, in terms of giving up these two weeks to go and do this, uh, all year, last year, and for quite a while, she has been a youth leader. And what that means as a mother is that she gets a babysitter every Friday night, not so that she can go and have some time to herself, not so that we can go on a date, although we need to do that more. Um, she gets a babysitter that, so that she can come to youth group, and she can leave her two kids at home, and she can come be with 20, 25 kids and be in the midst of that craziness and love on those kids and guide them towards Christ. Um, you guys, th- that doesn't make any sense. The reason that I know that God is present in her life is because it doesn't make any sense. If you know Chelsea and her past and her history and how she's raised and the life that she once had, I'm not going to share it all. But to come from that and to be the mother that she has and the love that she shares for everybody around her can only mean one thing to me, and that is that God is alive within her. So God is not dead. He's alive. Sorry, Glenn. (laughs) He didn't know I'm doing this either. Uh, This is a family on the screen here that I really love. I don't tell them that. I don't know if I've ever told them that, but I love you guys. Uh, This is an incredible family, and I want to hold them out there this morning as a light and as an example. I don't know if you realize that this family runs our nursery every Sunday and has set the whole nursery up. On most Sundays, they're running our cafe or else they're organizing the cafe. Glenn, for two years now, has given up every single Friday night as a youth leader to be here with our teens. And i got to tell you, for somebody, if you know Glenn, it's not an easy thing to come, and, or it wasn't, it's maybe becoming easier uh, to come and spend, you guys, youth group on Friday nights is sometimes very crazy, it's very hectic, uh, usually I'm yelling the whole time, just because I got to talk over the noise, uh, it's exhausting, there's injuries quite often, um, but if you, if you work for a living, if you work Monday to Friday, you'll understand the sacrifice that it is, that it is, when it comes to Friday night, and you have a weekend off, How do you feel usually on that Friday? Can you not just wait to get home and relax for a weekend and not have to work? Um, Glenn Davies comes every Friday night during the year. He gets home, and what he does is he rushes home. He picks up his kids, and he comes here, and he spends the night with all of our teens, leading small groups, helping us in worship, helping us with activities. Um, And i got to tell you, it's incredible. Uh, Over the last two weeks while we were in Estonia, Glenn came on our mission trip. Which might just sound like, oh, he just came on our mission trip. When I say that, you've got to understand that he has a job, and he has a life. He has a family, and he left his family. He brought his daughter with him, but left his wife. He gave up two weeks of work or of holiday in order to go and to share Christ with others. That in itself uh, is one thing. But to go and to do the things that he did and to be the leader that he did and to be the light that he was while we were there 
is absolutely incredible. And I just, I wanted to share that with you this morning, that what I got to witness while I was there, through his presence, uh, through the joy that he shared every day, through the love and the patience that he exhibited every single day, that can only mean one thing to me, because I know Glenn, I know a little bit about his past, being similar to mine, and it is incredible that he did that. It doesn't make any sense except for the presence of God being alive within him. So God is not dead. He's alive. You're getting a little bit more conviction to it as we go along here. So, I was going to skip this because I knew I wouldn't be able to do it. But. It's maybe fitting that we just sit in silence and watch these guys on the screen and take a look at their faces. I want you to look at these teens. Look at their names. Um, got to spend two and a half weeks with this team. And I really, there were so many times during the trip that I wished you guys could all be there. I just, oh, I wish they could see this. I wish they could have heard that. I wish they could see those teens sitting there right now in that conversation group, sharing their faith with people and struggling through it, but doing it. They're scared to death and they're doing it. These guys, for the two weeks that we were in Estonia, they got up way earlier than they're used to. Way earlier than I'm sure they wanted to. We were up at the break of dawn every day. Uh, and I was rushing them. Every single every single day I was rushing them to be at certain places at certain times and to go. And um, They were waking up early and they were literally working their tails off until we got back at the hotel for the first week and a half. I don't know if we got back to the hotel before, like 11 o'clock. We'd, we'd go out to eat supper at like 9.30 uh, or 10. Sometimes it was past then and we couldn't find restaurants that were open because we were busy. And what I experienced, uh, how many of you guys have raised teens? And if you've raised teens, how was the experience? Like just how do you feel about teenagers? Was it just a, the biggest joy of your life? Was it... Uh, just such a peaceful, uh, relaxing, just uh, whatever type experience. No, it wasn't, I'm sure. If it was, then you should get up here and share with everyone. So uh, Maybe you shouldn't, actually, so that they don't hear that you've had that experience. But um, You guys know teenagers. I know teenagers, and I know who I was when I was a teenager. And that's why I can say to you guys this morning that these guys are my mentors. These teens right now are mentoring me. They're guiding me in my faith because I, I'm, I'm older than them, but I know who exactly who I was when I was their age, and it was nothing, not even close to who they are to give of themselves. There were days we were painting the church building there, and they would, they would paint maybe a whole area, <laughs> and I'd have to come along because we, we want to do a really good job. I'd have to come along and say, sorry, guys, we're going to have to maybe do that again. <laughs> Or we'd, we'd come along and we'd just nitpick. Or maybe don't do it this way. You need to be doing it this way because they're all learning how to paint. They're just trying to help. Um, 
But how would a normal teenager usually react if you're nitpicking at them and telling them to do stuff over again and telling them to do stuff and you're constantly, we've got to get up at this time and we've got to be here? Uh, you guys got to lead devotionals. You guys got to lead singing. You guys got to lead parties. You guys got to sit down with people and you got to share your faith with them. Like you literally have to sit down and attempt, do whatever you can to, to try and share Christ with them. Uh, these guys said, yes, I'll do that. And I got to tell you, they far surpassed my expectations and my hopes for the trip. Uh, their attitude and their energy um, throughout the entire two weeks was absolutely incredible. Most of the time, uh, I was, I'd forget that I was actually working with teenagers. They were just friends of mine that I was actually looking up to, respecting, and uh, being mentored by. And what I witnessed throughout that time through the selflessness and through the love that they shared for others, uh, and literally, they, they literally denied themselves and their own desires in big ways every single day. Uh, what I saw was God's presence. I saw God being alive within them. Just a couple more. Oh, I didn't show you guys the pictures. You can see some of the pictures here of, of them doing the work. I wanted to make sure I pointed out that this is JP right here. That's all. Which I'm sure he wasn't too thrilled about going and doing. <laughs> um, anyway, they were incredible. It was an incredible two weeks. And uh, I want these guys to be examples for you. I want them to be inspiration for you because it is absolutely incredible. Uh, there's no way after experiencing that two weeks with them that I can ever question, not, not let alone whether God exists, but whether or not he's actually alive and working. He's working powerfully, and he is alive in a very big way in these teens' lives. I'm just grateful to be able to have witnessed it. A few more stories. This is a man named Nikolai Vasutin. And he is the minister of the Talon Church of Christ. But what I want to share with you this morning is who this man really is and who he was. Uh, this is a guy who was born in Estonia. He's Russian, but he was born in Estonia uh, during the Soviet, Soviet era. Uh, and so he was born as a, a member of the Soviet Union in the country of Estonia in a Russian household um, and was raised as a Russian man. Around the mid-90s, Let's Start Talking, which you've heard lots about over the past few years, they started going into Estonia. They sent their first uh, team there. Missionaries had just started going there in 1992 after uh, the Soviet uh, uh, Soviets fell and they gained their independence. Uh, all throughout the Soviet former Soviet Union, uh, missionaries began going in because they were finally able to. Um, but this is a man who, was, who grew up, most of his life he spent in the Soviet Union being told there is no God, there is no religion, there is no church. You can, in fact, you can't believe in God and you can't go to church. Otherwise, we'll put you into prison. And uh, in the mid-90s, he came as a reader for Let's Start Talking, of a Let's Start Talking team, uh, to learn English, literally just to learn English. And he came with his wife, uh, Olga, and him and his wife sat down, and they started doing these English lessons, you, reading the book of Luke. And so he started reading through the book of Luke. And he started to have questions about the book of Luke. He began getting into uh, quite serious discussions about this and uh, getting to the point where him and his wife both uh, decided this is their new life. And i got to tell you guys that like, so <laughs> you can tell sometimes... Um, the passion that this man has for Christ, 
it literally is astounding to me. Uh, the energy and the enthusiasm is almost non-human at some times, some points. This man, he not only decided he's going to follow Christ, he decided his entire life now, his identity as a person, every single ounce, every single speck of it now is I am, I am Christ's possession. I am going to live for Jesus Christ. And his wife had the same conviction. They were baptized. Not only were they baptized, but in the very same day they got remarried. They had been remarried during the Soviet era during the way that they just did that then. But he wanted to have a marriage before God in a Christian church, a Christian marriage based upon Christian principles, uh, the way that God designed. And so they got baptized and they went and got married <laughs> all in the same day, which is just incredible. If you think about that, as soon as he began this life, what he began doing was being mentored by the missionary there. He began training, he began studying, he began uh, to seek out uh, this path of doing everything he can to glorify God with his life. And over about 13, 14 years, leading up to about four years ago, he was doing this, slowly beginning to preach, slowly beginning to be involved, to minister, to teach classes, and do that type of thing in their tiny little church there in Tallinn. And about four years ago, he became the lead, actual lead minister of that church, fully supported and sponsored by a church in the U.S., um, because the church is so small right now. But he's now a lead minister in that church in Tallinn. And it doesn't make any sense to me. If you think about this guy growing up and where he grew up most of his whole life, where he grew up. And this is a man so passionately convicted right now for the Lord Jesus Christ that he blows me away. You know, a perfect example was when he got off the plane. When he first arrived in Estonia, uh, it was like one thirty in the morning or something, or 1 in the morning. There's, he, there was such a big group there. It was one thirty in the morning, so I didn't know what to expect. Usually they have a large group there, but I'm thinking, you know, there's only probably, maybe Nikolai will come, but everybody was there. Not only was he, was he there, but we got visiting and everyone just, I don't know why, we, we hung out there and visited for probably longer than most people wanted to because everyone wanted to go to bed. But I was sitting there talking to Nikolai, and uh, I'm in ministry, and so I understand when you're organizing big events, he actually does, he, he's the director, and he leads the entire camp of 150, 160 plus uh, people every year. Uh, full week, uh, a huge, huge event. I don't think I've ever even been in charge of or responsible for organizing an event that big. But I realized that doing that kind of stuff, it wears on you, it's tiring, it's exhausting. The camp was starting the next day, and so I made the comment to him. I was like, so how are you feeling? Like, I wanted to kind of reach out to him and, and just encourage him to, you know, just endure, you know, keep going. I know you're tired. And so I, you know, I kind of said, how are you feeling? Are you tired or... Hey, you know, are you discouraged because you're, you've been so stressed out? And he's like, he looked at me with the most confused look, like he had no idea what I was talking about. And so I, and then what he said to me was, why would I be tired? He said this, with a big smile on his face, he said, this is the best time of the whole year. He said, this, this is by far my favorite time of the whole year. And uh, he just has a passion for sharing Christ that exceeds even his own energy levels. Um and then he did it, like, he's an incredible man. Um, kept holding my hand during the trip. Uh, you know, he just, he wants to love people, and he kept holding my hand, but his daughter kept uh, telling him, like, in Russian, he'd, she'd yell at him and say, Dad, don't hold his hand. Um, <laughs> I really didn't mind. <laughs> uh, but it was just, just kind of funny. But it, that's just an example of the passionate love that this man has for Christ. And I want you guys to see in that story and in this man the presence of God. 
living within him. The fact, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be inspired uh, with the fact that despite his past, despite his history, despite his upbringing, despite where he was in life, it didn't matter. God overcame everything. Not only did he overcome it, but he's, he has completely overtaken this man's life, and he has shown through Nikolai in huge ways. And their whole family's life is changed because of it. Last story, I just want to share these people with you. It's not much of a story other than to share uh, a neat experience I had uh, when I was uh, at camp, actually, the first week. This is Marilyn, and I've maybe shared about her before, but we met, Chelsea and I met Marilyn back in 2005 on our, uh, in in one of our LST trips, and she called, she actually didn't start reading with us, she called about a week after we started, and she started to come to, to practice English with her sister. And much like Nikolai, as we're having these discussions uh, and reading through this story, she had so many questions, and she began to really study deeply. She'd come to our lessons actually more prepared than I wanted her to be because I'd run out of things to say or to even talk about because she'd come like studying the scripture that we we're going to you know, learn that day. Before the end of the trip, uh, she decided she wanted to live for Christ, and she was baptized along with her sister. Um, but she wasn't just baptized and um, she didn't just make that decision. What she really decided to do was she, you know, I don't know if any of you have experienced what she had to experience in making that choice. And what she had to experience was going against the will of her parents and being ridiculed by her parents and having her parents look down upon her for doing it. Um, And she overcame all that and she did that. But not only did she do that, but uh, by the time we went to Tartu last year, which is the church that she's a part of, she actually was, she's basically the leader of that congregation now. Uh, there are many young leaders in that congregation, but she is, she is very deeply rooted in the foundation of that church and has a very strong passion for seeing it survive and seeing it grow and seeing God glorified in it. And it's, it's absolutely like to go from 2005 to 2010 last year, to see the change was it was staggering i didn't know who she was even god had transformed her uh anyway this summer you'll also know that last year uh last summer during our lst trip uh this young man was baptized talis that's her younger brother over that period of four years and before we even went to estonia last year marilyn was talking to me about the journey talis had been on she'd been trying to disciple him and lead him towards christ and so she's sharing me everything about it and she just was she's like peter please help <laughs> help me in this and um we didn't have to help do very much other than maybe give him a little bit of a, a kick in the butt um to do what he knew that he wanted to do and what he decided that he wanted to do for a long time through the discipleship of his sister. And that was to live for Christ, and he did that. Well, this summer what I experienced at camp uh, was meeting a guy named Martin. And Martin is a friend who Talis met this past year. He's a friend that Talis met and that Talis began to disciple towards Christ. And while he was at camp, Martin decided that he wanted to live for Christ, and he was baptized and what I experienced <laughs> on uh, this this evening on the beach in the Baltic Sea was standing back, and I was watching this big group of people on the beach watching this take place. But I looked over, and I saw Marilyn, his sister, looking at Talis with the most joy in her eyes uh, that someone could have. 
And I, she was watching Talis because she's the one who shared with me. Talis has been discipling him. And Ta- Talis is the one who's been sharing Christ with him. And she was just thrilled. She was overjoyed with the fact that um, that her younger brother had done this, had, had been a light for Christ. And then I look at Talis, and Talis is in tears watching his friend be baptized. And just was incredible, you guys. The journey is so small, such a small thing. In my eyes, in 2005, as a young man who's the farthest thing from my thoughts are actually being capable of ministry or of ministering to people, of, of doing God any honor or justice in any way, that's the farthest thing from my thoughts or my feelings of what I'm capable of. And th- despite all of that, despite all my insecurities and despite all my inabilities, um, Marilyn came to know Christ. And through Marilyn, Talis came to know Christ. And through Talis, Martin came to know Christ. We have a mission, a banner on this wall, and it's not just for decoration. This banner says that we want to reach the world for Lord Jesus Christ one person at a time. That's very intentional, you guys. And all, all it takes is sharing Christ with one person. And you might think you're not capable. You might think you're not able. You might be insecure about your ability to do that. But I just have to share with you, and I want you to be inspired. I want you to be encouraged by these people, by these stories this morning. I want you guys to understand this morning in a powerful way that God is alive in you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you're capable of. It doesn't matter where you are in life. God has the ability to live in you if you just allow him, if you open up your heart. You just hollow out your heart and make that space for God's spirit to work in you and incredible things will happen. Thank you.